there's a, a scripture in the Bible that uh, a dear friend of mine broke down in a service one day that changed my, uh, not the way I gave, because I was all, I've always been above and beyond giver. Not because I understood it, I just seen the fruit of it, but I didn't understand why there was fruit. I just knew when I kept doing it, fruit kept coming, so I just kept doing it. You know, a dog will come to the bow every day because he knows there's going to be food there. Uh, we don't have to understand. He don't understand where the food comes from exactly. He don't know we get it from the store, how it's processed. He just knows at the same time every day there's going to be food in that bow, so I'm going to show up. And he broke it down in a way that, that made me understand why the fruit was there. And it's, it's out of Genesis, and he, he began to talk about Abraham, and he said, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, I'm going to bless you. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, you understand this. If you're not, you go find it in Genesis. It's there. He said, I'm going to bless you. But then he said something even bigger than that. He said, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless those that bless you. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was always under this understanding because religion had taught me and has said to me, you give the, the money to God. And then you'll get a blessing. But we don't give to get. That's the religious mindset. You don't give to get. How dare you give to get? But this changed everything because God didn't say, I'm going to bless those who give to me. He said, I'm going to bless those that bless you. So it changed my way of thinking and understanding that when there's someone in the room that deserves honor, not because you deem them worthy, but because of the position that they hold and you bless them, you can receive the Abraham blessing because you bless them. Now it does go to God or it don't go to God. It doesn't matter. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to give to that church because that pastor drives a Porsche. Who cares? The Word of God is your promise that He'll bless those that... He'll bless you if you bless the man of God. Now I'm not trying to give you, get you to give me money. I'll show you every dime where my money goes. I don't care. But the point is... You don't understand, and if you do, amen, but some of you don't, that you're getting blessed because you're blessing something that God's blessed. So when you give fruitfully into a blessing that God has blessed, you get blessed. Now we don't give to get. Let's hit that in the head. Well, the Bible says a sower sows a seed in hope. That sounds like giving to get to me. God never said, don't give to get. He said, sow a seed in hope. Go out and talk to any farmer. And say, when you sow that seed in the ground out there, do you plan on reaping a harvest? Or do you just go buy a bunch of seed and just throw it out and say, boys, don't plan on getting anything because nothing's coming out. That's foolishness. But religion has taught you this, not because the religious people are evil, but because... The person behind the religious teachings is. His name is Satan. He wants you religious. He wants you powerless. He wants you fruitless. And he wants you not blessed. So if he can convince you you don't give to get, you would never give in hope. 
expecting to receive something back. It's the only thing in the Word of God that God says, test me in this. You can't outgive God. You've heard that, right? But you can give outside of God. You can't outgive God, but you can give outside of God. You need to make sure you're giving where God told you to give, not where He told you not to give. So a little waitress that you want to bless with $300, that's a good thing, but is it a God thing? He has told you to bless the man of God, bless the church, bring it to the storehouse. So we have to be giving there. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pass the basket. Anyone wants to give, you can. Anyone that don't, that's okay. We're still going to welcome you back. You're going to hear the same thing next week. Because it's true every day. So Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity, Lord. I ask everyone in the room to stand up so that we can become active givers today. I thank You for Your mercy and Your blessing. I thank You that You promised us that You would bless those that blessed what You had blessed, Lord. I thank You that You have blessed Your church. You have blessed the praise and worship. You have blessed the teaching of Your Word. And we shall receive fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. As they pass a basket, I'm going to teach you why I just did that. My spiritual father, I, I travel with him quite, quite a bit. And I noticed every time that the offering basket was passed, he would go and he, he would be preaching, but he would go get his wife, bring her by the hand with the money, and they would both give. And so just like the disciples with Jesus when they said, why do you speak to them in parables? And He said, because to you has been given the, the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to them has not been given. I had the opportunity to receive a secret of the kingdom of God from this man of God. I said, why do you do that? He said, why don't you? I said, I don't know. He said, well, if I give, I receive a blessing. But if we both give together, we can receive a double blessing. And I need my wife to be blessed as much as I'm blessed. So we're going to give together. I did this at a conference we did for six days. And the first time I taught it, nobody was doing it after that. Every time we, we did a service in the morning and night, in every service, everyone was coming up with their wives and giving. Because they caught it. There's an opportunity to catch something here today. So if you want to go ahead and be seated, that's fine. We're going to be in Romans 1, 11. Romans 1, 11. I'm not going to keep you long. It's not going to be a real difficult teaching. It's going to be a really important teaching. Uh, we will have an opportunity for those that are sick to get prayed for. You will get healed. Those that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you that opportunity. I'll lay hands on you. You will get filled. And those that need to be saved, you'll have that opportunity because you will get saved today. It's that simple. Because my God is who He says He is. Jesus is King, whether you believe it or not. So Romans 1.11, it says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. I want to read it in the Passion here as well. The Passion Translation says, I yearn to come and be face to face with you and get to know you 
For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. So I sent this to my team about three or four days ago. I was actually coming up out of the the basement here. I study down there and I pray down there a lot. We're here a lot. And um, sometimes I'm able to catch naps down there. It's awesome. Jesus napped. Come on now. But as I was walking out, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, people like intimacy with me because they're around people that don't have intimacy with me. He said they mostly stay around people that are more broken than themselves that have destroyed relationships in their life and because they lack intimacy in the natural, they lack intimacy in the supernatural. It's important who you hang out with. And so I was talking, continued to talk to the Lord about this most of the day that day and He brought me to Romans 1.11 because I'm kind of slow. I need some Scripture to help me understand what are you saying? I know this is something that you're trying to teach me, so if it's something you're trying to teach me, I need to be teaching it to others because we best preach and teach what we're being taught ourselves. See, gone are the days where leaders get to stand in front of you and pretend like they got it all together and you just need to catch up. We're all a mess and we're all on a journey. Some are further down the trail than others. That's good. You need that. You also need the people that are behind you. I'm not saying disconnect from all the broken people in your life. I'm saying connect more with people that are not. Connect with people that challenge you. So what what is Paul saying? So the first word that really stood out to me was the word long. This this word in, 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 in the Passion, it says yearn. It, it, he gives it an even uh, a deeper wordage, a, a deeper way of saying it, a deeper way of us trying to understand yearn, long. What does that mean? It's an unshakable desire for those that need more. So as believers, we have to have an unshakable desire to get around those that need more. But we also have to have an unshakable desire to get around those that have more. Because this is the way the kingdom works. If you're the most gifted, the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Find another room. Find more people. Well, I like it there. I'm on the top there. No, you're not. You're closer to the bottom than you've ever been. So long. And then this word see stood out to me. And as soon as I seen this word see, the Lord hit me and He said, this is the same word in the Hebrew and the Greek from John 1 when He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. That word with means face to face. Intimately knowing. See, Paul saying, I long to be intimate with you. I long to know you and for you to know me. So what's inside of me will get on you. 
And anything that's in you will get on me that I need and we can be encouraged and go further together. See, Paul was teaching something so profound here, breaking down the fact that we don't just need those that are above us, those that are equal with us, but those that are below us as well. Now, we're not talking about greater and less. We're talking about further behind the trail, further up the trail, and the ones walking on the trail with you. It's the same trail. You just already walked over that stone. You know where it's at. So face to face, intimate. And then the Lord said this. He said, intimacy is the only way to move forward. It's the only way to move into power. And it's the only way to move in love. The same same man of God that is my spiritual father. He he came up to me one day in a service and he said, you know, for a long time I thought the gospel was about raising the dead. He said, then for a long time I thought it was about my family. And I thought the power was in the raising the dead. And I thought the power was in my family. He said, but now in my old age, I have discovered that the power only exists in love. And it's because of intimacy, it's because of love that we get to flow in power. Absence of this face-to-faceness with one another... See, this is why Paul thought it was so important. This is why he uses such verbiage, saying, I long, I yearn, I can't shake this feeling to be with you. Was it because he loved them? Yes. But it's also because he loved Jesus. And he understood. People ask me all the time, how do I get more intimacy? Intimacy can't be taught. It can only be caught by being around those that are in intimacy. And when we're intimate with one another, we become more intimate with the Father. My team comes to me all the time and they say, how do I, how do I get more of Jesus? How do, how do I get in more? How do I, how do I receive more of His presence? And I tell them, go win someone to Jesus. If you're struggling in your prayer closet, go win someone to the Lord. Because that intimate nature between you and another individual, heaven cannot resist you. Because intimacy with one another will draw the Lord to be more intimate with you. Because heaven went bankrupt and sent His only Son to die so that we could be intimate. He sent Him to us face to face and separated Him from the face-to-faceness that we see in John 1 so that we could be face-to-face with the Father the way that Jesus was in John 1. He said... Everything that is the Father's has now been given to me. And now I give it to you. He's saying the intimate nature of Yahweh has been given to me. And now I give it to you. If you but keep my commands. If you but pick up your cross and follow me. There's a lot of ifs into this. Religion will teach you this and leave out all the ifs and the buts. And then you wonder why you're not receiving it. It's because you forgot the ifs and the buts. We have to remember the buts. Paul was longing to bring them access to intimacy. 
because he wanted more intimacy. Well, brother, that sounds selfish. There's no selfishness in the kingdom. If he's longing to come, if, if I'm longing to stand up here and preach the gospel to you and teach this to you because I want more of Jesus, that's not selfishness, that's humility. That's me recognizing that I need to pour out what's inside of me on you so that I can get more, so I can pour out more upon you, so I can get more. It's never ending. And the flow's supposed to go like this. I pour it out and get more. You pour out what I poured into you and you get more and continually happening. The church has become powerless because they've stopped pouring. They've decided who's the greatest, who's the latest, and they don't need anything or anybody. So they just stay top shelf and you stay right there in their conference paying the tickets to get in. It can't be about that. It's got to be... Paul, Paul didn't say, if y'all would just send me some money, I could catch a boat ride and come and be with you and I would give you what's inside of me so you can be more like me. Now he did say, follow me as I follow Christ. But he's saying, there is such a desperate desire within me to come and be face to face with you so that what's on me can get on you. I want to introduce you to a new level of intimacy so I can step into a new level of intimacy. And by giving it to you, you'll step into more. And by this, we're raising the bar in the kingdom. He goes on and says, now this means that when we come together, we come together. Come is the same word again. That's that intimate word that's being proportionalized for us to understand in this moment. When we sit face to face, intimately gazing upon one another, holding nothing back, being vulnerable, stop holding back the faults in your life from your brothers and sisters and confess your sins to one another. He says, when we're there face to face, when we come together and are side by side, this is Him saying, I'm going to be equal with you and we're going to walk together for a bit. Because the only... Leaders, you need to get this after listening to podcasts later if you're in the room. The only way to go up is to come down. So you may be an apostle. You may be a prophet. You may pastor a 2,500 person church. But when you get with your people, if you don't come down and walk side by side with them, you'll never go any further than you are. Side by side. What did he say? If I do this, he's teaching them. He's saying, I understand that if I do this, and I'm teaching you because I understand it, before I even come to you, I'm already imparting something to you. It's wisdom that came only by the Lord. If I will walk side by side, if I'll come down off my high horse and stop pretending to be greater, he says, something wonderful will be released. What does he say? We can expect. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. I need that. Man, I need that. Especially in a place like Rome, Georgia, where everybody's saved and nobody needs nothing. 
I just would love for someone for me to just come up to him and say, hey, bro, how's it going, man? You know, I beat my wife last night and I got drunk and this, this morning I, I smoked weed so that I could forget what was going on. And man, I'm just really struggling. But see, they won't do it because the church has become Peter in the garden and the individuals that are struggling are Malchus. You don't know what that means? Go listen to the podcast. It's on there. But Malchus is in the garden. He's, he's a servant to the high priest. See, we forget Malchus. But he's so important. Because they come up and they say, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus says, I am He. And the power of God smacks them on their butt. So for those that don't believe getting slain in the Spirit, it happened right there. They fell down. Then when they get up, not everyone was changed, but Malchus was. Malchus had no sword. He was a servant. He was there to serve. So then again they ask, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. You can take me. Malchus steps forward to receive Jesus. He steps forward to say, I realize I've been with the wrong people doing the wrong stuff. So I just need you, Jesus. Peter becomes the church of today, pulls out his sword and cuts his ear off. He says, not only can you can't come to Jesus, but now you can't even hear Him. But Jesus is merciful because we're in a day and a time to where God is sending forth sons and daughters that are willing to pick up the ear off the broken ones and put it back on and say, listen to what He says. You can hear the truth today. It's available to you. But we have individuals that won't confess what's going on in their life because the church has condemned them, beat them up, made them feel like crap, and totally rejected them. I'm reminded of a, 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 a story that I got told uh, back in the hippie movement, when it first took off, it wasn't Lonnie Frisbee and his group. It was another group that got a hold of the same thing. Its name is Jesus. Its name is the Holy Spirit. And they started coming to this huge church out in California. One of the biggest in the area. And they came in by the like hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of them. Well, hippies are dirty. They don't always bathe and they don't wear shoes. And their hands are dirty. And back then it was all uh, this, uh, this wallpaper on the walls in the church. And they would walk in and they would touch it and they would rub it. Because they ain't never seen anything like that. And they're walking on this carpet. Well, the deacons of the church, being mighty, came to the pastor and said, Hey, we got to do something about these hippies. They're destroying the wallpaper. They're destroying the carpet. You need to make them leave. The pastor said, You know what? Y'all go, be gone this weekend. I'll take care of it, I promise you. You come on Sunday, it'll be fixed. Okay, they trusted him. So they leave, they come in Sunday morning, all the wallpapers ripped off the walls, the carpet's ripped up, it's gone. He said, I'll remove the carpet and the wallpaper before I remove the people. There's certain lines we can't cross to appease people. But there's others that we have to. 
And the religious, pharmaceutical mindset of the day cannot dictate the move of God that's trying to come upon this land. Paul knew being around new on fire believers would encourage him. He said, if I can get them to catch what I'm trying to impart to them, he said, I want to lay hands on you and impart a spiritual gift to you. What is that? Is that healing? No. Is that the ability to raise the dead? No. Is that the ability to speak in tongues? No. What was it? Intimacy. The spiritual gift that's spoken of here is intimacy. And he said, if I can get intimacy into you, it's going to encourage me because you're going to catch on fire. And I'm going to watch you burn. And I'm going to dance around the flame. You ever watch a toddler just learn how to walk? And another one that's been trying? You put them together for a week, they'll be walking together. I promise you. You take two, two, two young boys, one's good at basketball, one's decent. You put them around each other, they'll both become just equally as good. Because they'll co-encourage and co-comfort one another that they can do it. So that's my message today. You can do it. I want to encourage you today that you can have it. Religion has lied to you. I'm just here to put the ear back on. And that's scary to them. Because if you can hear for yourself, you'll speak for yourself. And if you'll speak for yourself, you'll step into power and authority. You'll begin to pray on your own. You'll begin to go after heaven. And before long, you're going to make your pastor uncomfortable because you're doing things that he can't do. It doesn't make you greater. It means now you need to impart to him what was imparted to you. And if he won't receive it, you realize you're in the wrong room. Had a man tell me the other day, I'm real mad at my church here in Rome. I said, oh yeah. He said, yeah. I said, what church you go to? He told me. I'm not going to tell you. I said, why are you mad at him? He said, they put, a, they put a hand sanitizer thing right in the middle aisle. It's in the way. I said, well, that is aggravating. I could see how dancing might make you trip. I said, but really, let me tell you something. If all it takes to make you mad at your church is them putting a hand sanitizer in the aisle, you're in the wrong church. You better find another one. Everybody stand. So Jesus, I've done all that I know I can do. I spoke your word in love and truth, Lord. I've, I've broken open a gate of intimacy that's available for those that want to step into it. There is nothing not available to any one individual in this room if they'll but yield and come and sit at your feet and say, I don't understand it, I don't get it, but I want it now, Lord. Have your way in my life. Have mercy upon me and teach me where others wouldn't because my ear's back on. Help me to hear your voice, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen.